Praise God. How many believe in God with us today? And he's got a word for us on this very first Sunday of a new year and a new decade. And uh, 2020. Isn't that just sounds strange to say that? But uh, here we are in a new year. And I want to preach to you this morning with the help of the Lord on on how to have a new year or how to face a new year without fear. Amen. And I believe that would be the, the plan of God and the will of God for every one of us today would be to be able to come into this new year without any fear or anxiety about what the future may hold for us. Because the fact is, people are afraid and fearful of the unknown. Most people are. We, 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 we are always wondering what's going to happen. We don't know the future. We don't know what 2020 is going to hold for us individually. But nevertheless, I believe that even though it's unknown territory that we're going into, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Joshua uh, when, when the children of Israel were getting ready to cross the Jordan River and to go in and conquer the land of Canaan. And, um, you know, he sent the priests out with the ark and he told the congregation, the people of Israel, he said, keep a distance from the ark. But he said, you keep your eyes. And this is what Joshua's word was to them. Keep your eyes on the ark of God and follow the ark of God. And that's what we're doing as believers today. We don't have a literal ark of the covenant, but we do have the spirit of God, the presence of God and the word of God that we're to keep our eyes on and to follow Him. And Joshua said to them, For you have the reason he wanted them to keep their eyes upon the ark and follow the priests carrying the ark, he said, For you have not passed this way before. It was, a new, it was all new to them. It was new territory for them, and it's new ground and new territory for you and I as believers today entering into a new year. And so, you know, um, so I want to share a verse with you. You know, for some of us, and you can open your Bible to Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews chapter 13. For some of us, I don't know, I don't know today how 2019 treated you. I think if we ask everybody here, how was your year last year? How was 2019? How was it? Some would say, oh, it was a great year. Others would say it was a booger. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it doesn't matter. And for some, it was a booger. We went through a lot of different um, experiences in 2019. We had some, some, as a church even, we've had some tests and we've experienced some trials, some difficulties went through some rough waters, went through some fiery times, went through, went through, have gone through some storms in this past year. But here we are, we're still here. We're still praising the Lord. We're still living for Jesus, amen? So I don't know, you know, I'm believing God. One thing I do know is I'm believing God that this coming year, um, God's going to have His way in our lives, in our church. His will is going to be done. And that God does have 
something good planned and something good in store for each and every one of us. And I know the devil's got a plan for us, but God's also got a plan for us. And every, every time the devil starts messing, that's when God starts blessing. Everything that the enemy tries to bring against you um, for harm, God has a way to turn that around and turn it into good. Can I get an amen on that? The Bible still tells us that all things, and this goes for every believer, every child of God that loves God, that's living for God, that's called according to the purpose of God. He said in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to His purpose. Well, I don't know about you, but I love God today. I love Him. Praise God. I've made up my mind that by the help and the grace of God, I'm going through. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to live for Jesus and He's going to take care of me no matter what 2020 holds. My goal today and what I want to try to impart to you today is to face this new year as we've already entered into it and stepped into it, to face this new year without fear, without anxiety, without dread, without worry, but with a confidence that God has got everything under control and He's going to work it out for you. Amen. He's going to take care of you. So in the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to read two verses in Hebrews chapter 13. I don't know if I told you what chapter. Hebrews chapter 13. Amen. Amen. Verse number five and six. Listen to what the apostle says, the writer of Hebrews says. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content. Now I'm going to talk about some things this morning that are not going to be very popular, but that's nothing new for me. Be content. Are you listening? I've got to say this again. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me? I want us to say that together because here I think we would be obeying the scripture if we would say that because he said, he has said so that we may boldly say, let's say it together. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Hallelujah. I tell you what, I feel that this morning. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So, you know, whether you're glad to see 2019 go and 2020 come, whether it was a good year or a bad year, the, the fact of the matter is we can't stop the progression of time. We're heading into and just have already started. We're five days into a new year. We're 
covering some new territory now. We're on some ground, new ground for Abundant Life Family Church and for everyone that's a part of this church. And so, as I said, regardless of what last year held for us, this new year, God's wanting us to face this new year without any fear. Um, You know, God's already in this new year. He's already there. And He's already working and He's already moving and He's already got a plan for each one of us in this new year. I read a story one time about some men who were on an old, an old leaky ship and they were in a storm on this old ship in a storm and they became fearful for their lives. And so they asked the captain, the guys got together and they went to the captain and they, because they didn't, just didn't feel like things were going just so good. They didn't know if they were going to make it or not. And they went and they asked the captain, said, Captain, are we safe on board this ship? And the captain said to them, well, boys, he said, let me tell you. He said, the boilers on this ship are weak and they may explode at any moment. He said, this ship is old and she's taken on a lot of water. He said, we could have an explosion or we could sink. He said, we may go up or we may go down, but at any rate, we're going on. Praise God. You know what? I I just think that's kind of the way we are to feel about this new year because that's, that's, that's kind of the way it is. We don't really know exactly what's going to take place. You know, as I said a while ago, Jesus may come and we may all just go up. I'm looking forward to that. I believe in God for that. There's nothing that has to take place for the rapture to come and for the rapture of the church to take place. And Jesus may just rapture us out of here in 2020. Would that be okay with everybody? That'd be fine with me. But if He doesn't come in 2020, you know, I'll just keep on living for the Lord. We may go up. But regardless if the Lord doesn't come, you know, we're going to have some, we're going to have some hills and some valleys. We're going to have some up times and some down times. But it really doesn't matter at any rate whether we go up, whether we are up, whether we are down. We've got to continue to move on and continue to press on and continue to go forward. Amen. I talked a little bit about that in our in our, uh, uh, not our Saturday, but our Tuesday prayer service from Philippians chapter number three. And it, uh, Philippians chapter three are some very popular verses, especially at this time of year when Paul uh, told the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter three, he said, he said uh, in verse 12, he said, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfect, but here's what, here's what he said, but I press on. He said, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, he said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Well, I'm like the Apostle Paul today. I, I have not yet attained what I, what I believe God wants for my life. And so no matter what the future holds, 
I'm gonna press on. I'm gonna keep moving forward. I'm gonna keep going on. And I, I hope today that I can encourage every believer in this building this morning to, to make that commitment and that determination that you're gonna press on in this new year and we're gonna be more like Jesus. We're gonna be more matured than we've ever been before in our walk with God. And that was the most important thing in the Apostle Paul's life is that he said, listen, I haven't attained that, that state of perfection and maturity. This church at Philippi thought he was a spiritual giant and he was, but he had not yet attained that place of perfection and spiritual maturity, but he said, I'm pressing on toward the goal. Listen to me, church. There's a goal out here ahead of us. There's a finish line that we've got to keep our eyes on. And the only way you're going to make it through this year and through the trub troublesome times that may come our way is we've got to focus our mind on the finish line and keep our eyes focused on Jesus and forget what's behind us and reach out to what's ahead of us and continue to press on toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's got to be our focus and our determination that we're not going to let anything stop us from fulfilling the will of God and the plan of God for our life. But I want to give you four things this morning, four things that we need to have a new year without fear. Four things that we need to have in our life so that we can face this new year with no fear and be everything that God wants us to be. And the first one is this, and Paul mentions it here in this fifth verse of Hebrews chapter 13. And that is this, we must have a contentment of His provision. A contentment of His provision. Look what he said there in verse 5. He said, let your conduct be without covetousness. And... Uh, you know, it's difficult. We're living in a time where, where, where the church world has become so covetous, even Christians. And let me tell you something. The Bible says that covetousness is idolatry. We don't think a lot about, boy, it's, going, it's getting quiet now. We don't think a lot about idolatry within the church or within the lives of Christians as far as bowing down and worshiping an idol. But the Bible does tell us that covetousness is idolatry. But notice what the, the apostle says here. He says, let your conduct, your lifestyle be without any covetousness, but be content with such things as you have. I think one of the greatest problems within the lives of believers today is a discontentment. There's a discontentment that, that will rob you and does rob people of their peace and robs Christians of their joy. And there's so many Christians, so many believers today that never come to a place of contentment in their life. They're living a life and in a state of constant discontentment. And God said that we're not to be in that condition. This, the Word of God teaches us that we're to be content with such things as we have. 
Now I know that blows in the face of the modern health and wealth prosperity gospel that's being preached that God wants you to be wealthy and God wants you to be rich. And we've got preachers today that have two or three jet, private jets and taking up offerings to buy more. Now I don't know, you can classify that how you want to, but to me that's covetousness. To me that's idolatry. To me that's, that's, that's greed, amen. And God doesn't want us as believers to be covetous or to be greedy, but he wants us to be content with the things that we have. See, here's what contentment, somebody says, well, what do you mean by being content? And contentment is not getting what you want. That's what we think contentment is. But contentment is not getting what you want, but contentment is wanting what you already have. It's wanting what you already have. It's being satisfied with what God has blessed you with and what God has given you. See, here's the thing. I've got to be content with the house that God's given me, with the car that God has given me. If I were to covet Sister Denise's car and say, I want a car like hers or I want her car because it's better than mine, that is what God's talking about. We need to be content with where we are and what we have and the provision that God has given us and when we're content with the things that we have, God places us in a position where God can bless our lives as He desires, as He wants to and as He chooses to. Come on somebody, amen. I still believe that as a child of God that you as a believer are in the hands of God. You belong to the Lord. You are His. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. I don't belong to the devil anymore. I don't belong to the world anymore. I got born again and Jesus brought me out of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of His dear Son. And thank God I belong to Jesus. God is my heavenly Father and God is your heavenly Father and you belong to him and the devil has no say so in your life anymore, amen? So what God wills for me and desires for me, that's what I want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be happy in the state that I am in. Come on, somebody. So contentment is not getting what you want, but it's wanting what you already got. Sometimes you've got to learn how just to thank God for where you are and what you have and what God's given you and, and, and where you're at and what God has blessed you with. And when you can thank God for that, then you're in a place of contentment where God can bless you in whatever way he so wills or desires to bless you in. Amen? But this is something, being content, being content with the provision of God. Yes, yes. Story goes that two tears, and here's the thing, see, we're always wanting something else. The grass is always greener. I always want something better or bigger. Two tears met at the river of life, and one tear asked the other one, said, where did you come from? And that tear answered and said, I'm a tear of a girl who loved a man and lost him. And then that tear asked the first tear, where did you come from? And that tear said, I'm the tear of the woman that found that man and married him. 
be content with such things as you have. Come on, somebody. You know, we've got we, we, the church and, and, and some of the teaching got into those areas some years ago. And I guess there's some still in it, you know, that says, you know, that people were just claiming everything. They were claiming so-and-so for their wife or so-and-so for their husband. Amen. You know, that's one guy said, I, he saw, one guy in a church one time said, he saw this lovely girl up in the choir and he said, I'm claiming her for my own. I'm claiming her. And his friend said, you're claiming her? Have you even seen her up close yet? Amen. No, but I'm claiming her. Listen, that's a bunch of, that's a bunch of foolishness there. Amen. Hallelujah. We get into that place and the church has got into that place where we just claim this and claim that. And, and, and listen, it, you know, here's the thing. If God has promised to give you something, then you can lay hold of the promise of God and claim the blessing and the promise of God. But there ain't nowhere in that Bible that tells you that you can claim a certain person as your spouse or a certain person as your, you know, as your husband or wife. Nowhere in that Bible that says anything about that. Got quiet all of a sudden. But Jesus was very specific in letting us know that life, our life does not consist of the things that we possess in this life. I'm not trying to tell you that it's wrong to have things, but I am telling you that it's wrong for things to have you. Are you listening to me? And that's the problem so many times. But Jesus said that a man's life doesn't, doesn't consist of what we possess. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians in that fourth chapter about how that, how that he had learned in, in whatever state he was in, whatever he found himself in, he said, I've learned to be content. I've learned how to abound and I've learned how to be abased. He said, I've been in that place where I've been hungry. I've been in that place where I've been full. And there was times in the Apostle Paul's life when everything was going good and he had all that he needed and the offerings were coming in and, the, and his financial needs and physical needs and material needs were all met. But there were times in the Apostle Paul's life when he did not have that. And there was times that he was hungry and there was times that he went through lack in his life and he said this was a principle and it was something that the Lord had to teach him and something that he had to learn. He said that I have learned in whatsoever state that I am in whether I'm full, whether I'm down, whether I'm up wherever I am I've learned how to be content. Can I get an amen? Paul also writing to Timothy says that he told that young preacher, he said that godliness with contentment is great gain. He said there are those that say that gain is godliness. We see that today. We see that very teaching today that the more material wealth that you can accumulate, that's a sign of the favor of God. That is not taught in the word of God. Paul said that godliness with contentment is great gain. How 
hallelujah, be content with what we have, knowing that the Lord is going to provide, knowing that the Lord is going to take care of us. I can go into this year and face this new year without any stress, without any worry, without any fretting, without being upset, without any fear, because I know that the Lord is gonna provide whatever we need in this life. Come on and give the Lord a praise today. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Number two. Not only do we need the contentment of His provision, but we also have the promise of the companionship of His presence. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I feel that. We have the promise of the companionship. There's no better companion than you have today than the Lord Jesus Christ. In that fifth verse, he said this, for he himself, Hebrews 13, 5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, facing the unknown can cause fear and anxiety, as we've said, because we don't know what we're going to face. But there's one thing that we do know. Not only will we have the contentment of His provision, but we've also been promised the companionship of His presence. That whatever we go through in this coming year, Jesus is going to go through it with us. Are you listening to me? See the, the phrase there, when He said that, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that phrase literally means that I will not abandon you and I will not leave you a helpless orphan. There may be other people that will leave you high and dry. And there may be other people that will abandon you or that will forsake you. But I can assure you of one thing, and that is that the Lord Jesus Christ will never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. Some of us have been forsaken by friends. Some here this morning may have been forsaken by family members. Maybe a spouse, a husband or a wife has walked out on you and left you and abandoned you all by yourself. But I can tell you one thing. It doesn't matter who in this world will abandon you or leave you or forsake you. I can stand here today and tell you on the basis of the Word of Almighty God that the Lord Jesus Christ will He'll never ever leave you and never ever forsake you. He'll never leave you alone. Hallelujah. No, never alone. The old song says, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. And I want you to know, Abundant Life Family Church, that this year God is going to take you by the hand and lead you through this year and guide and direct your life and His presence will be there every minute of every hour of every day. Can I get an Amen today. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's something interesting about that, <clears throat> about that phrase where Jesus said, or, or the apostle said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And it is the words of the Lord because he said that it, the, the, the writer of Hebrews said it's he himself speaking of the Lord has said this. 
And so it is the word. It's a promise from the Lord that he would not leave you or forsake you. And there's something about that in the Greek text. And um, I was studying this. And as I was studying this, um, the, the, the writer that I was reading after said that there were five negatives. And I don't know all about the Greek language in the Greek text, but there were five negatives in that phrase, I will never leave you or forsake you. So on my software, I pulled up the, the Greek interlinear and looked at the Greek interlinear compared to the English, and sure enough, that Greek scholar was right. There are five negatives in that phrase. And so what does that mean, Brother Rick? I don't, I don't know what that means. It's all Greek to me. Amen? <laughs> But what it means is it, that here's the way it reads in the Greek text. He says this, I will never, no, not ever, no, never leave you or forsake you. So in that, in that phrase, five times in the Greek, he reemphasizes that fact that he will never, no, not ever, never, no, never leave or forsake you. I looked at it in the Amplified Translation because in the Amplified, that's the thing about the Amplified Translation is that it gives, it puts those key Greek words in the text. And so in the Amplified, it reads the same way. It says this, For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you or give you up or leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you. I will not let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Oh, hallelujah. That makes me want to holler just a little bit to know that God has told us five times in one little verse that he will not ever leave us or forsake us. One preacher was visiting his grandma and he had been in, uh, in seminary and he had been studying Greek in seminary and he came back home and he was visiting his grandmother and he read her this verse from the book of Hebrews and he explained to her those five negatives and he told her, said, Grandma, this is what this says in the Greek and he read that to her, how that those five, that five times he expressed that he would not leave us or forsake us and that dear old saintly grandma looked at her grandson and she said, Son, she said, God may have to say it five times to you Greek boys, but once is enough for me. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I can tell you what. <laughs> I'm so glad he said it five times. But you know what? Once ought to be enough for you. Once ought to be enough for any of us. If he said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. We can put our faith and our confidence in that for this coming year that God will never leave us. Many people forsake him. Many people turn their back on him. Many people walk away from him. But I'm telling you, he'll never walk away from you. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Amen. Oh, there's so many promises in the Word of God. When God got ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land and he picked up Joshua and he made that promise to Joshua that no enemy will stand before him or be able to stand against him as long as the presence of God was with him. And on his, in his encouragement to Joshua, God said this to him and gave him the promise. And he said, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. 
Be strong and of a good courage. When God picked up Gideon and called Gideon to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites, the Lord showed up and the Lord said this to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Go in this your might and you shall save Israel. See, the might that Gideon had and was to go in was the fact that the presence of God was going to be with him. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. You've got some might to go in into 2020 and that is that the presence of God is with you. You are a mighty man or woman of valor today if you've got God on your side. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? You are on the winning side today. Hallelujah. God promised Jeremiah. And you know, Jeremiah is one of my favorite Old Testament prophets. Because I can read Jeremiah and see me. Not that I'm a prophet. But what, what we see in the life of Jeremiah was that Jeremiah preached for 40 years. And his preaching, for the most part, was rejected by the people. Nobody listened to him. I said, I feel like Jeremiah a lot of the time. But nobody listened to him. And God, when God called Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah that at the very beginning when he called him. He even told Jeremiah and Ezekiel as well. But he told both those men of God, when you're preaching, don't look at their faces. He said, just preach. Amen. Don't be discouraged about, about, the, about the, the faces that they make while you're preaching. Just preach. But God told Jeremiah when, he was, when his preaching was going to be rejected, he said this to Jeremiah. He said, those people will fight against you but they shall not prevail against you. Are you listening to me? He said, they'll fight against you, but they'll not prevail against you, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you, says the Lord. They put Jeremiah in the dungeon. They threw him down in that pit. We talked about that mire last week, and he sunk down in the mire. But you know what? God had mercy on him and brought him up out of the mire and brought him out of the pit and brought him out of the dungeon. Listen to me. God is with you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. When all, when all the circumstances Circumstances and everything in life seems stacked against you and you don't know which way to turn and you don't know what to do and everybody's turned their back on you. I can tell you there's one who is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and he will be with you no matter what you have to go through. Hallelujah! We've got the promise of his presence in our life, the companionship of his presence. Amen. Amen. Oh, that promise that he gave Isaiah. God told Isaiah, gave him a special promise to those who he loves. And he said this, fear not for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, you, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, here's what I like. Amen. When you go through the fire, walk through the fire, you shall not be burned or shall the flame scorch you. Praise God. That must have been the promise that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego held on to. When Nebuchadnezzar 
threatened them with the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down and worship His image. He called them before Him and He said, listen, didn't you hear the decree? When the music plays, maybe you didn't understand. When the music plays, you're supposed to bow down. Everybody bows down and worships the idol, the image I've set up. But it's been reported you guys are not listening. You're not listening to me. Oh, come on somebody. We, we may be called upon in these last days, in these last days, to bow down and worship the image that the government may set up. But I'm telling you what, hallelujah, we got to learn how to obey God rather than obey man. Can I get an amen here today? Didn't you all hear me? I tell you, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to play the music one more time. And when I play it one more time, if you bow down, everything's going to be all right. But if you do not, I'm going to throw you alive into the burning fiery furnace. I'm going to heat it seven times hotter than it's ever been heated before. I'm going to make a crispy critter out of all three of you guys if you don't bow down and worship the idol. And they said, oh king, listen to us. We don't even have to contemplate or think of how we're going to answer you. You can heat that thing hotter as you want to heat it, but I can tell you one thing, that we will not bow down to your image. We will not, we will not conform to what you have demanded us to do. Hallelujah. He said you can cast us into that fire and you can do what you want to. But our God is able. Oh King, our God is able. I said our God is able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace. And one thing's for sure, he will deliver us out of your hand, oh Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar got so mad he heated that furnace seven times hotter than it ever been. It was so hot that when the men when the soldiers of Nebuchadnezzar threw these three Hebrew boys into that fire, the heat from that furnace killed those guys. That's how hot it was. They threw them in there. We've got rid of them. They're done for. And I believe before he did, old Shadrach looked at Meshach said, you remember what Isaiah said? We'll go through the fire, but we won't be burned. Let's just believe the Word of God. We're going to stand on the Word of God. But here's something interesting, though, too. They also said that even if he don't, our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he don't, we still will not bow to your image or do what you've commanded us to do. Oh, there comes a time when we've got to stand up and obey God instead of obeying man. Can I get an amen today? We're done with these old Pentecostal bunch. Throw them in the fire and burn them up. Get rid of them. Close them down. <laughs> old Nebuchadnezzar sitting there, all of a sudden he jumped up. And he looked. He said, come here, come here, come here, come here. He said, how many did we throw in there? Didn't we just throw three 
Hebrew, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Didn't we just throw three into that fiery furnace? They said, oh yes, O king. We threw three in there, all tied up and bound up. We threw three in there. What's the problem? He said, well, the problem is I'm checking my eyes, but as I look in there, I'm seeing four in that furnace, and they have no hurt, and they're walking around in the fire, and the fourth one is like, looks like the Son of God. Hallelujah. Oh, can I tell you, Jesus, come right down into the fire with them. He'll go through the fire with you. He'll go through the flood with you. You've got the companionship of his presence so you can make it through 2020 because he'll never leave you, never leave you. No, not ever leave you or forsake you. Well, come on and give him praise. Woo! Praise God. Oh, I got to hurry here. I've got to. Contentment of his provision, the companionship of his presence. Number three, we've got the confidence of his promise. The confidence of his promise. Verse five, that phrase that said, For he himself hath said, He himself has said. Who did? God did. We have the confidence of His promise. You know, a promise, a promise is only as good as the one who makes it. But this promise here was made by who? He himself. He himself, the Lord. It's a direct promise and a promise that's made by God himself. The one who is omnipotent. The one who is almighty and all-powerful. The one who is omniscient and knows all things. The one who, who can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. This is the one who made the promise and the Bible tells us, Peter tells us that we have been given so many exceeding great and precious promises by the Lord. Amen. And those promises that He's given to us in this new covenant that have been ratified by the blood of Jesus, these promises are for you. Listen to me, saints. When He makes a promise, He makes that promise to you. He makes that promise for you that are in Christ. Of course, there's conditions to every promise. There are no unconditional promises. We have to meet the conditions that God has laid down. But the Bible tells us that God, it is impossible, it is impossible for God to lie. If He said it, He will do it. The Bible says it in Numbers 23, 19. The Scripture says, For God is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of man that He should repent. Has He said and will He not do? Or has He spoken and will He not make it good? If He said it, He will do it. The promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him are amen unto the glory of God. Hallelujah! And so we need to stand upon and claim the promises of God. See, the problem with so many of us today in the, in the church, so many of us as Christians, we just, we just window shop through the Bible. We're just window shopping. Any of you ladies ever go window shopping? 
That's what they used to call it. They don't call it window shopping anymore. They call it shopping. It's like one guy said to his wife one time, why do you call it shopping? You never buy anything. She looked at him and said, why do you call it fishing? You never catch anything. (laughs) Hallelujah. We can't say that about our guys here. Praise God. But there's too much window shopping going on when it comes to the Word of God. Just pick a verse here and say, oh, you know, just kind of flipping through the Bible. Listen, don't just flip through the Bible. Read the Bible. Read it. Read it through. It's a good time to start. Right now, here at the beginning of the year, make that a goal this year to read the Bible through this year. Do you know you can read the entire Bible from cover to cover, all the way through in three, you got an extra day this year, it's a leap year. You can read through in 365 days, reading about 15 minutes a day. If you don't have 15 minutes a day to read the Bible, some people, I'm, I just don't have 15 minutes. Turn the TV off or disconnect the internet. Get off of Facebook, amen. You, you know, you can check, you can get on, oh, I'm chasing rabbits now. You know, you can get on, you can check your screen time now on Facebook. They've got that thing. You can check your screen time. Every time mine pops up to check my screen time, I just move it on. I don't want it on. But if you check your screen time on Facebook and you spent more than 15 minutes a day, that 15 minutes reading the Scripture will get you through the entire Bible in one year. If you don't want to take on that task, read the New Testament through At 15 minutes a day, you could probably read the New Testament a couple of times through in a year. My point is this. You need to know the promises of God. You need to know the Word of God. You need to know the Scripture. If all you're getting is what you get on Sunday morning when you come to church, if that's all you're getting, it's not enough. You've got to feed yourself through the week. God has set teachers and pastors and evangelists in the church to, to mature the saints, to teach and preach the Word of God. But you've got to have a daily diet of the Word yourself. Amen? Hallelujah. That wasn't in my notes, but that, that won't cost you any extra. But, but they window shop. Read through and say, oh, isn't that a, isn't that a wonderful promise? That is so wonderful. I'll flip over here and, or pull a thing out of the daily bread. Oh, isn't that a precious promise? So wonderful. But they never apply it to their life. They never claim it for their own or receive it into their life. See, God doesn't want you just to window shop through the Bible. He wants you to actually lay claim to something. He wants you to carry something home with you. Amen. He don't want you just to look through there and say, oh, what a wonderful book this is. He wants you to understand that this book is a love letter from Him to you and He's written it for your benefit 
for your admonition. Admonition all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness that we may be perfect and mature and complete. Amen. In Him, we need the Word of God. We need to lay claim of the promises of God. And we have His promise that He will be with us, that He will provide for us, that He will bless us. Lay claim to those promises today. Amen. You've got that confidence today. Praise the Lord. The confidence of His promise. Oh, I gotta close. One more. And I'll let you go. I'll let you go. The fourth one is we have the comfort of His protection. We have the comfort of His protection. In verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. We already said this today. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. See, listen to me, saints. When you have His contentment, His companionship, and His confidence, then you will have His comfort. You will have His comfort. Hallelujah. And His courage of His protection. Those two verses, verses 5 and 6, when you take them together and put them together, where it says, For He Himself has said, so that we may boldly say, For He Himself has said, so we may boldly say. If He has said it, then we should boldly say it. The Lord is my helper. When the devil comes against you and he begins to put those lies in your ears and he begins to bring those doubts and discouragement, when the devil comes in and he says, you're not going to make it through this trial, you're not going to make it through this situation, you're not going to make it through this year, Well, because of what the Lord has said, you can boldly say, listen here, listen up, Mr. Devil. I am boldly making this the declaration of my faith. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do to me. I love the, I, the, the, the meaning of that word helper. The Lord is my helper. It has, in the Greek, it has the meaning of a, a doctor or a medic that's rushing to help someone who, who is in need, who's, who's desperately ill or wounded. I kind of got the picture of that, of a, of a, of a medic in the, in the military, in the, in the service, you know, a, a, a Navy corpsman or something, a medic that would, that when someone is wounded or someone is hurt and they holler for the medic he comes rushing as fast as he can to offer aid and help to that person that suffered that's what that word helper means that's the picture that it, that it gives us there in the book of Hebrews so when we're in help how many's ever prayed that one word prayer that one word prayer help Anybody ever prayed that prayer? I've prayed that prayer before when I didn't know what else to say and I didn't know what else to pray. Maybe sometimes it's a two-word prayer and I say, Jesus, help! And I can tell you what, I know that he's my helper and he'll be right there. He'll rush to my side. He'll give me aid. He'll pick me up. He'll clean me off. He'll heal me. He'll, he'll direct my steps. That's what we can, can boldly say he's my help
I will not be afraid. I will not fear what man or Satan would try to do to me because the Lord is my helper and he is on my side. Woo! I think we ought to give the Lord a praise. Woo! Worship team, you can make your way back. Listen, how do you face the new year without fear? You find your contentment in Christ. You find your companionship in Christ. You find your confidence in Christ. And when you do, then you'll find your comfort in Christ so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. I don't want to be negative, but I must say, you will face some difficult things this year. I'm not... I'm not telling you that it's going to be all honey and no bees. Because there will be some struggles. You know, if we could promise everybody that if they'd get saved and, and belong to Abundant Life Family Church that they wouldn't ever have another problem, wouldn't that be wonderful? But you can't assure that to anybody. Because we're living in a fallen world. And so, it's not all honey and no bees. There'll be some stings. There'll be some, probably some heartaches. You know, in 2019, I probably preached more funerals than I have in any year in my ministry. I think think that I can honestly say that. There, at one particular time, I felt like I was in the funeral ministry. It was just all the time. It was more than one a week sometimes. I pray that 2020 won't be as many. But listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Can I talk to you? There were people that were a part of this church that were here the first Sunday last year in 2019 that are not with us today, that are in heaven. That are in heaven. Brother Mike Settles, Brother Archie, Brother Howard Gillum, several just right off the top of our head that we can think of. And so you know what? On the first Sunday of 2021, there may be, listen, are you listening? There may be some of us that are here today that won't be here. They may be with the Lord. So there, there's going to be some sorrow and there's going to be some sadness and there's going to be some trials and there's going to be some fire. But thank God we have His provision and His presence and His promise and His protection through it all. And as long as you will make this the rule, seek Him, seek Him first. Put Him first. Make Him your priority. Jesus your priority. 
And when you do that, everything else, all this other is going to take care of itself. And you can go through this new year without fear. No matter what comes or goes, you can say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man will do to me. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus.